0: give, after you step forward and do what God has called you to do, there comes this realization, what God had called me to do, what I committed to, that's going to be tough. And then there's commitment that follows after that. Last night I shared with you a story about Gideon, and I, I shared with you that, that it, in God's Word in Judges chapter 7, it shares a story of Gideon's army with with him and God saying, "Hey, not uh, you have too many soldiers. You need to cut it down." And they cut it down once, and then God came to him and said, "Hey, you need to cut it down again. You have too many soldiers." They were already outnumbered to begin with, and now God cuts it down all the way to get this 300 men, and now they're going to go after this army that's described like locusts in a field. That's how vast this army was. And I told you that in the end, God sent the 300 men, and they had to actually fight in battle. At the end of chapter 7, we find that they are chasing the Midianites out of the land. And that they actually have to confront their leaders at the end, and they they capture their leaders and, and kill their leaders. And so they had to actually fight with their hands. Here's the part of the story we didn't walk through last night, that I want you to understand because it fits in perfect to what we're talking about this morning in this Time to Build series. It says this in verse 16, he divided the 300 men into three units and equipped every man with a trumpet and an empty jar. Doesn't quite sound like warriors, trumpet, empty jar, but that's what he gave them. There was a torch inside of each jar. Now watch me, he ordered, this is Gideon talking, and do what I do. When I get to the outpost of the camp, Do just what I do. When I blow the trumpet along with all who are with me, then you blow your trumpets and all of you surrounding the whole camp and then shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So the setting came. Then they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. So the three units blew their trumpets and broke their jars, holding the torches with their left hand and blowing the trumpets with their right hand. You kind of catch the the picture of what's going on here. Lamp. And, and the, the horn. And they called out a sword for the Lord in Gideon. Now, here's what happened just a few minutes later. With the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord turned the swords of the fellow armies against one another through the whole camp, and they fled. Now, you see what happens there? That God provides the supernatural in this story. I don't know why... People would turn on each other and start now fighting when they were united to go against God's army. But that's exactly what happened, and God caused confusion among their ranks. Once they had kind of decimated themselves, then the odds were more in the favor of the 300, and they chased them down and wiped them out. You see, what God is saying in this story, He says it towards the beginning. If you had gone in there with every soldier you had and you happened to have won the battle, you would have thought you did it. Not that I did it as the Lord your God. Not that I empowered you as my people to do it. You would have thought you did it on your own in your own power. So I whittled you all the way down to 300. Then I made you stand at the edge of the army and look out and see how vast uh, who you were coming against was. And then I threw out a strategy that didn't even involve a sword and... And then guess what happened? I, I won the battle for you. I evened the odds down to your favor, and then you were able to finish off what, what you were called to do that day. It's an amazing story of God, just like the little boy with loaves and fish who takes and says, this is all I have. And Jesus takes it and multiplies it and feeds every person. God take, took all they had, 300 people. And they probably couldn't go in with a sword and and do too much damage, but they could surround the camp and they could shout and blow horns and hold lanterns and make it look like to the other armies that there was just tens of thousands of other soldiers that had surrounded them and were ready to wipe them out. What an incredible strategy God employed here. He took what they were able to give and he multiplied it. For his glory and won a battle. Now, think about when they told the story. Think about if you were one of the 300 and you went home and you told that story. You couldn't even begin to tell that story by saying what you had done. You had to give the glory to God, it would be impossible in human hands. And I believe that as we're moving forward with this time to build. I believe that that is exactly what's happening here, is that God is taking just what we can offer and he will multiply it. You know, at church our size, as we were starting this whole thing, uh, really our target numbers, 50,000 was our one-time gift target, 250,000 was our three-year pledge. Those were not goals that were in line with a church of our size. I don't know if I told you that in the beginning, did I? Maybe I conveniently left that part out. <laughs> But if you look at capital campaigns and you say, just tell me percentage-wise, percentage-wise, we probably should have been shooting for about thirty thousand, and at most we probably been, should be, even shooting for two hundred thousand would have been on the high end of what churches our size do in capital campaigns. A little over one of your annual budgets, and about thirty thousand for a one-time offering for a church our size is huge. Is huge. We decided to just say, Lord, this we know is what, this is what financially would work for the project of our church as far as what we're willing to borrow and what we think we need to do before we move dirt, and we put those numbers into play, and that, I believe the Lord is already doing that. Now, I'm going to share with you a little bit at the very end about uh, where we're at and and how that came about, but this morning what I want to do is just briefly walk through a message that I'm calling Building a Life of Commitment because now comes the commitment part for us. Now to hold to what it is we have committed to, that's, that's what comes now. Matthew 6, 33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God. Anybody like arguing against that verse? I mean, are there any believers to say, Nah, I'm not really into that, that verse. I don't really believe that one. Um, well, no, we never say that. <laughs> we sometimes live that, but we don't say it. In fact, I would say most of us as believers, if you said, hey, what's number one in your life? We would, do, we would answer something like this. We'd go, oh, my wife and kids. I mean, God, my wife and kids. And that's kind of how we, we process and we work through it. But every believer feels like God is number one in my life. And God says, I believe, I kind of believe your heart. Now let's talk about the practical. How does it play out in our life. If you didn't get your sermon notes when you walked in, they look like this. Just lift up your hands. Richard will uh, bring you a copy or somebody. Oh, we've got a fill-in this morning. Uh-oh, they're panicking. They're panicking. <laughs> it's just not the professional operation back there like Richard can, can give us, but they're, they're making it happen. All right. Very good, ladies. Thank you. So I'm going to just walk through four practical ways of how do you Uh, starting how do you uh what's the price of commitment what does it look like for a believer in jesus christ now this is not all inclusive this is not everything god's word talks to us about but these are four that really help you as a believer in jesus to make this commitment before the lord and in return it gives god the opportunity to speak to us and to grow us the first is this i give god the first thoughts of each day the first thoughts of each day Psalm 50, or excuse me, 5.3 says, each morning I look to you in heaven and lay my requests before you. You know what the Bible's saying there is that in the morning when I start my day, you know how I'm gonna start my day? I'm gonna start my day looking to the Lord. I'm gonna offer my praise to him. I'm gonna say, Lord, what do you have for me? Give me strength in this day. Lord, what, what is your will today for my life? Is there something you wanna teach me? Is there a journey you wanna guide me on today I am yours today, Lord. And you can see how that it's not that it's a sin if you hold your devotion time to the end of your day, so don't think about it like this, but can you understand the value in starting your day that way? Starting it off by going to God and just giving him your first thoughts, your first focus, your first few minutes spending your time with him. If you've never done this before, I just want to challenge you to wake up and to say, I'm going to take even the first five minutes of my day and I'm going to take it and I'm going to go before the Lord. I'm going to open up the scripture and I'll read a little bit of scripture, maybe three minutes, if you haven't been doing up to now, of reading scripture. And then I'm going to commit at least one minute of continuous prayer. Now you might say, one minute, gosh, I mean, that's nothing. But if you haven't been praying, that one minute's going to feel like a long time for you to sit and to pray. But the commitment of just going before the God and you know what happens? If you'll commit to doing that day after day after day, you know, I won't even have to come to you. Your, your Christian mentor won't even have to come to you and say, hey, you should lengthen that time. You will naturally start doing it. You will find what time with the Lord really looks like. So I encourage you to get up and start your day that way and give that a challenge. Here's an, another practical way is I give them the first day of every week. That's today. That's Sunday. That I I focus and I give him this day. Acts 27 says, On the first day of the week, the disciples came together. They worshiped. Why do Christians come together on Sunday? Really two reasons uh, for us. Uh, First of all is because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on Sunday. We call it Easter, right? But we celebrate Easter every single Sunday when we celebrate what Jesus did on the cross and rising from the dead on Sunday. So we come together and we gather just like the disciples after his crucifixion and resurrection They came together. It's the first day of the week and and we want to give God our first thought in our first day of every week. And we call it the Lord's Day. We call it the day of worship where we come together and we worship with one another. Every once in a while, um, I see uh, on Facebook or somewhere somebody saying, you know, I'm so blessed that I get to still worship the Lord at my house. And they're watching something on TV or that kind of thing. Now, I will tell you that you're sick, you know, your kid's sick, you know, by all means, you know, there's so much wonderful stuff you can watch on TV and be ministered to and preachers that, that can share with you. But that's not the church. Don't get in a habit in your life of letting your living room be in your TV be your church. It just won't substitute for you. Coming and being a part of God's family and what God's family can do and build into you. And all you need to do is start going through a rough patch in your life and watch how the people of Wendover Hills care for you and come alongside of you. And you'll know pretty soon your TV set just won't do it for you. So we give him the the first day of every week where we come together and we fellowship with one another. We worship God together. We get empowered. We go out encouraged to reach our world and to share and to serve other people. The third one is that we give the first 10% of every paycheck. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of your income. And we've talked about it with tithing and our giving. It's been a main focus in this series. In fact, what we've said is that if you're sitting here and you legitimately are in a place where you're like, i got to choose between tithing or building. uh, Biblically, it's a no-brainer. Tithe. Give of your tithes. That's the obedience and discipline-based uh, giving that we do in our lives. God calls us to be generous. He wants us to be generous with the 90%, but he wants us to be committed to him with the 10% uh, as well. Now, Shree and I, we, we give in a few areas, just like I know several of you and talking to you give in a lot of areas. Um, but listen, tithing's not giving to charity, And giving to charity is not tithing. Um, Tithing is when we commit our discipline base of the 10%. And then God says, why not be so generous with everything else as well? Last night, that's what you were doing. And and you were incredibly generous in what you did moving forward with a, a church. And some of you, just because of the relationship I have with you, I know you're incredibly generous to the neighbor in need. Or the ministry you might be serving in that has no source of income. So you become it for the ministry. Or some of you that have said, you know, I'm just so touched by kids in other countries that need some financial support. And, you're, and right now you're sponsoring, you know, one or two or three or five. Um, and God has moved you so much in that way. And those are, those are important ways. Here's the fourth thing. Uh, the price of commitment here is the first consideration in every decision. We don't think about it in these terms often, but basically we're saying, before I make any decision in my life, I'm going to go to God and say, God, what would you have me do here? What is your will in this situation? Before I sign my name up on a sign-up sheet, or whether I take my name off of something I've committed to, God, what is it that you've called me to? What is it you want me to do? I mean, all the way down to you're, you're in the store, and you're looking at an item, and you're like, man, I really... Would like that. And you might even say, I think my family needs that. Going before God and saying, God, is this, is this what you would have for me? Is this what you would have for my time? Is this what you would have for my talent? Is this what you have for my treasure, as we talked about last week? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, in everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Circle that, that everything there. That's the word. In everything you do, Go to God first, and he brings that success to us. So uh, I can't stop there, though, because there's pitfalls to commitment. You may have figured this out already uh, in your life. When we make commitment and we start walking through the path of commitment, there's some pitfalls that come our way. Here's, a, here's one. We get distracted. you ever get distracted by things? Um, yeah. Some of you didn't even hear that question because you're distracted. So, so your answer is Yes. So, yeah, we get distracted, and we lose our focus on things. Mark four nineteen says this, the attractions of this world, the delights of wealth, the search for success, the lure of nice things come in and crowd out God. Now, notice how Mark doesn't necessarily say, you know, this world, wealth, success, um, nice things. He doesn't necessarily say those are all bad, bad, evil, evil things. But he says this is what they do if they gain our focus. They crowd out God. They push God out. And so sometimes when we, when we make a commitment, well, here's what we do, is we look at everything we have and we say, well, I'll make this commitment right over here to God. I'll, I'll slide something in, a little slice of the pie in for God over here. We feel good about our commitment and we start walking. But when God is crowded into a little corner, a little slice, guess what it's easy to do? It's easy to kind of shove that little piece off if it gets a little too hard or if it just doesn't quite make sense down the road. It's altogether different when we come in and we just say, okay, God, just you know, take the whole pie. Just run the show here. It's a little tougher to shave off that little area. So we get distracted in life. We start to, to get going in our jobs, sometimes in our hobbies, sometimes in, in different things we've wanted to do, and we get rolling down the path. Sometimes if it's, we're even talking financial, if it's, we throw an extra expense into our life that we know is going to kind of mess up and botch up, but we just committed to the Lord, and we just kind of get distracted with things in life. It's a, it's a pitfall of commitment. Here's the second thing that can happen sometimes is we become complacent. Do you ever become complacent, I and mean, I've been that way in my life with a lot of things where I get really excited for a while, and then I kind of fade off of that excitement, really excited, and then I fade off, and then at some point in time when I was at a previous church and, and doing kind of one of those personality style tests, I learned my, one of my gift sets as a leader is launching things, that's it's one of my sets, I get really excited about things, and I, we strategize, and I can gather people around us, and then we launch that thing, and you know what I learned in my leadership? Immediately I have to bring good, solid leaders into the mix who can carry that on, who have the gift of sustaining that and growing that type of thing. And so is it bad for me to have that gift? No. Um, but I have to recognize within me that other people have to come on. Sometimes we get distracted or complacent in life where we're just like, what's the next thing? What, what's the next thing I can do? I can move on and, and do something new here. Or sometimes we do it this way. We make a commitment, and we live on that commitment for a long, long time. We think about something good that we did. Like, you know, one time in college, last, my senior year of college, I went down to East Los Angeles, like cold turkey. I just called a couple friends and said, hey, I'm going to go down, and I'm going I'm to feed a bunch of homeless people with some sack lunches, Right? And we did. We went down there, and I don't know, we made 40, 50 lunches, and we just handed them out. We walked around. We had a few conversations. It was a great, great afternoon doing that. But that was 20 years ago. Can you imagine if I was still living on that commitment? If I I was still, when I got together with you, that was the story I told you. Yeah, this one time, a few days ago, we uh, went down to, you know, we went down to L.A., and we fed these homeless. And you're like, man, that is just wonderful. And then you got to talking to somebody else, and they, yeah, Tom told me that story too. And told me that story and that. And that was like it. That was uh, like, I'm getting complacent. I've got one story to share, and I just continue to share it. When all the time God is saying, hey, how about jumping into something more? How about throwing out a new commitment? How about expanding the commitment you already made instead of just getting complacent and loving what you previously made? Here's what Romans 14, 12 says. Don't be lazy in showing your devotion. Use your energy in serving the Lord. Here's what another translation says. Keep us, uh, let us keep the fires of the Spirit burning. That, that We carry energy and excitement into what we're doing. Uh, there is no way church or what we're doing in ministry should be boring. Now, in anything in life, there's this times where, you know, we're not you know jumping for joy but what we're doing should be exciting when we have an opportunity of serving God when we have the opportunity as we've been talking about now to to give towards building a church that we can be a part of but really more so that when we're dead and gone other people can be a part of for decades and decades and decades being reached by the Lord that's pretty exciting and we get to be a part of that and so we we do it with our energy well, what's the payoff to commitment to Christ? I want to share with you just a few passages here. And, and I believe one of the greatest things that shows our commitment back to God, if we, take, if we take it well beyond the symbolism, is when we receive communion. And we're going to finish off this time, this time to build. We're going to finish off our teaching time with serving and, and taking communion together as a body of believers. Here's the payoff to commitment in Christ. Take a look at Matthew 6. 31 through 32, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? Your heavenly Father knows you need this, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Here's the payoff. And all these things will be given to you as well. That's the commitment of God. That's the promise of God. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, I am going to seek God. I'm going to seek him first. I'm going to seek his kingdom. I'm going to seek his righteousness and guess what? You have the platform to say, God, give. Give as I need. Supply my needs. Because he says in his word right here, the payoff to commitment to Christ is that he will provide all that you need. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I mix up the need and the want. Do you ever do that? Eighth grade. Her name's Kelly Wong. And uh, I thought you know she had it going on. Um, True, really, this was well for you. I mean, there's just... I mean, compared, to, she was wrong for me, thank you. So that was, that's good, Tom, I appreciate that. I'll do the puns, that's my job, I'm supposed to handle this. But I mean, I really thought, like, uh, you know, in eighth grade, I thought this was the one, you know, this is, I mean, this is, and I had just kind of started going to church, I didn't know the Lord, I didn't understand what was happening, but I do know the pastor talked about tithing one time, and I thought, I got a little allowance, um, I actually had a little uh, horse pin cleaning business that I did with my friend where we scooped a bunch of, you know, horse junk, and, and that's, that's what we did, and uh, clean pinning is what we called it, see what I did, clean, um, and so, anyhow, I thought if I started tithing, guess what was going to happen, Kelly Wong was going to be my girlfriend, <laughs> so I did, I tied like two weeks in a row and nothing, nothing, she had no interest in me whatsoever, can you believe that? Oh, that's just ridiculous. Huh. Um, that's not the payoff. That's not the payoff to commitment. It's not that God says, hey, if you'll play this game, if you'll, you know, if you'll tithe, if you'll, give, if you'll get your family to church, you know, get everybody here on time and all that kind of stuff. Um, get everybody here on time, if, uh, you know, get everybody here on time. And that God, will, that God will then turn to you and he'll say, hey, you did it, man. You checked that box off. What do you want today? You know, I will give you. Kelly Wong, you got it. Now, it doesn't work that way. But he says, look, I will supply all you need. I'll supply what you need in your life if you'll seek, if you'll seek me and put my kingdom first. Here's what Matthew 25 uh, says. The master will say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I, when we look at that, and we, we the payoff for the commitment to Christ here is that God looks at us and says, "Well done, well done, good job." That's what I wanted you to do. When we look at our kids, and I, I say to my kids, and of course they're they're getting a little older now, but you know when I look at them, I say, you know, hey, I'm really proud of you. you did a great job. I mean, that's something that's exciting for me to share, and I know it's something that is precious for them to hear when we speak that way. And that payoff is that God turns to us and He says to you, Well done. Well done. And He says, Because of this, you are faithful here. I'm going to put you in charge of more. I'm going to give you more to handle. I'm going to give you more responsibility. Why? Because you've shown you can handle it, you can do this. So these eternal benefits, we find there's, there's affirmation. God says, good job. There's promotion. He gives this greater responsibility. But we also know from the very last line there, there's this celebration. Come and share your master's happiness. It's like, it's like party time with God that, that we get as a payoff when we're committed and surrendered to him. Henry Varley said this. He's an English evangelist. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and for the person who is totally committed to Christ. And so he's talking about how just somebody totally committed, what God can do in and through that person. At the top of your outline, I shared a verse with you, and it's your memory verse for the week to take home and, um, and memorize. It says this in 2 Corinthians 16, 19, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's searching to strengthen you and care for you and uplift you. And so, as a result, Romans 6, 13, that's that's your call to commitment this morning. And as we take communion in just a moment, I want the the words, as, as the words for this verse stay on the screen, I want them to sink in and be a call to you. And it says this in Romans 16, 13, give yourselves completely to God, every part of you. You want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. God wants to engulf you. He wants to build you up, encourage you. And then he wants to use you to, to reach people, to serve people and be a blessing to others. That's really what this time to build is all about. That's our focus on the night just before Jesus' betrayal, Jesus spoke of really ultimate sacrifice and commitment. He looked at his disciples, his followers, and he, he said to them, uh, guys, this is, this is it. My time has come. Uh, those prophecies I've been speaking to you about that didn't quite make sense, you're going to know the next day. And just to really sink it in with his disciples so they understood as they celebrated the Passover meal, he, he took a loaf of bread, it was just like this, and he held it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And he's saying to him, look, it, it's my job to be broken so you can be whole. And my desire is to make you whole with the Father in heaven. And I'm gonna do that through my own brokenness. And the same way he lifted the cup that was on the table and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And every, every Jewish man around that table would have understood what he was talking about through the history of the Old Testament and, and what God had already done for his people. And now he's saying, it's my blood poured out for you. I'm going to be the sin offering for you so that you can have right relationship with God. And whatever confusion they had that night, the next day they understood very clearly as Jesus willfully gave up his life and went to the cross. That's what we celebrated in our time of communion. It's a chance to reciprocate the commitment that Jesus made for us. So this morning in a group this size, my guess would be there's somebody sitting here, you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never made the commitment to say, I wanna become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And this is the way you can do it. As you receive communion, we invite you, you can stay here and bow and pray. You can go to your seat and pray and you can pray a prayer just like this. You can say, Lord, Forgive me for how I live my life. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to live for you. Any heartfelt prayer like that, God receives that, and you are his child instantly. There's some of you, you know, as you're thinking about commitment, you know for God to really carry and sustain what you've already committed to, you need a closer connection with him. And this is an opportunity to surrender that. We want to give you as much time as you want right up here on these stairs. We call it our altar to just kneel and bow and spend the time you want with God. Our praise team will will hang on. They'll linger long enough for you to spend all the time you need. But go to him and just simply say, Lord, I commit this to you. Help me. Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up this this congregation, this great group of people at Wendover Hills. And Lord, they're on various levels of spiritual commitment. And Lord, you're you're this morning, you're calling somebody to say yes to you as their Lord and Savior, somebody to become a Christian this morning. They've been pushing it off. This is the time. I pray for that person. They would be able to say yes to you. Lord, there's others in here that you're calling them outside of complacent Christianity, outside of boring Christianity. You are calling them to a life of commitment and surrender and excitement in their Christian walk, something that will cost them everything to put them on the risk and the challenge of what it means to be a Christian living totally for you. And if there be anybody in here, Lord, I pray that this would be the morning that they would start that journey. And they wouldn't just live on, hey, I said a prayer years ago, but this was the day they knew, they solidified making an exciting journey with you. And then look for everything else that's going on that the people are lifting up to you. May you hear it and receive it as our God who loves us. We pray in your son's name. Amen. We serve an open communion here at Wendover Hills, which means if you know the Lord is your savior, please come and receive this morning. You don't have to be a member of this church. This can be your first time here. It's okay. Uh, we would like you to come and receive. If this morning it's your first communion to say yes to Jesus, please come and receive as well. There's four stations. At the front of each aisle and at the back of each aisle. The Lord's table is prepared. Would you come and receive? Amen. Well, are you ready for me to kind of share with you what the Lord has, has been doing? Um, I want to share with you first, uh, really, uh, about another three-point sermon. Uh, no, I, I do want to share. My excitement has, is not the number that's on this paper as much as the ones of you who have come and have told me we've been walking through this with our family, that God, God has spoken to us this way last Monday night, uh, a couple said to me, the Lord has really renewed our marriage uh, during this time and during prayer time with the men. And those are the things I'm far more uh, energized and excited about. And I recognize the number on here, building a church, just exemplifies more of what we can do. So let me share with you uh, where we're at and what, uh, what has, has gone on, uh, up till now. Um, our goal uh, was two hundred fifty thousand in our three-year pledges plus fifty thousand in a cash offering. You do the math real quick. Three hundred thousand dollars total is what we're looking at at this initial stage and and what we need to do. Um, in our three-year commitment, uh, we received two hundred eighteen thousand six hundred and fifty dollars in three-year commitments, of which for a church our size is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Um, Again, I I've I had conversations with some people who do this or have done this or lead churches. And, and I know when I first told them $250,000, uh, one of their looks was, hmm. <laughs> so, um, and so that's, it's, it's a great number. Now, um, this morning, our kids in change gave $81.20, our kids. Isn't that incredible? No? Well, yeah. Rough... Rough estimation uh, in our teens between uh, some pledges and one time gift. Rough estimation in our teens was over $3,000 uh, in our, our teenagers. Oh, um, that's pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal. All right, so uh, one time gift. Um, you remember our church, we average about 165, 170. One time gift. Last night, our promised gift to come in. Some of you guys are selling stuff and you're waiting for it to get sold. One time commitment gift last night at a church our size (laughs) $80,000. Yeah. $80,000. That's, that is unreal. Unreal. Amen. Man. Yeah, I was just, uh, knowing. That total, and it jumped this morning, knowing the total last night, it was, it was just hard to kind of lay down and, and sleep with the excitement. I think our next largest giving after that has been like $2,100 uh, for a celebration of hope, so um, way to exceed it by a few bucks, so <laughs> good job. So they so are really excited where we're going. We'll kind of let you know now where we're going because we, we turn this and now we go to our, our lending institution and say, look, here's, here's where we're at. We've, you know, we've really met our benchmarks, about $299,000. Committed over over those two things, three thousand. A few people that weren't here. We just trust we'll go right past that three thousand, our three hundred thousand. And so, uh, so we're really excited about that. And so we'll take that right to our our our, now our WIF uh, building. Excuse me, investment foundation, and where we go from here. Our next step will be looking at uh, the hiring of our uh, of our actually blueprint uh, person and and, uh, architect and all that kind of stuff. So that sounded really official, didn't it? Blueprint. like we're trusting him with that money <laughs> so um, but we'll start walking that forward at our next board meeting which is about a week and a half so so the lord bless you i'm really excited uh about what what happened and and appreciate so much your commitment to giving and your sacrifice so good so what, what else have we got i'm kind of off kilter here we got another song oh yeah we're singing our theme song to finish off start a fire so why don't you stand up join me and let's sing